Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens, owner and chief executive officer of Circus Sports, home of the world's largest sports book, and now the largest football contest guarantee in history. We've got $10 million on the line between our two contests. Circa Millions has $4 million in guarantees, including a million in quarterly payouts. The Circus Survivor has a $6 million guarantee. The one thing at Circus Sports, 100% payback, no rake. You enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more info. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circus Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. Um, it's good to have you always, you know, I, the energy, I just, I feel like it's going to rub off. I just want to know how to win tournaments, how to win WPTs. I, I got a day two online, 5K. The, the, I know you're not eligible, which is good for the field because you're in, you're in uh, where, Nevada right now? You're playing some of the Poker Masters, so you're not going to be playing some of these online uh, schedules right now, right? You're in the U.S. just kind of playing the live stuff. Yeah, I'll be here uh, about a week or so playing the Poker Master Series and then headed back to New Jersey to play the uh, American WPT event on uh, PartyPoker.com. Very cool. And so, yeah, well, first of all, congrats on the signing. You just signed with, I guess it's uh, not to be confused, it is Party Poker, but it's BetMGM slash Party Poker US. And maybe explain a little bit about what that is and, and how that came to fruition. Yeah, they've brought me on as a brand ambassador to promote the game uh, for the U.S. So this is American American facing online poker and uh, states that have uh, legal online poker. This uh, super exciting for me. I've always, I've always uh, looked forward to getting some kind of deal like this. And uh, anything I can do to promote uh, American online poker is, is important to me because I feel like we've we've kind of fallen behind a little bit compared to the rest of the world with online poker. So to be able to uh, promote that and build the game here is important. Yeah, it's cool. And I mean, obviously as the sort of, I guess you could, you would say poster boy for the world poker tour, having four championships. I think the next, the couple guys have three, but you're the only one with four, I believe. And you know, the record for final tables, cash is all the good stuff. That's, that's gotta feel good to, to represent and be a part of uh, you know, a major company and in the poker space, as you said, I think you're starting to do some more deals too. You said you got, uh, could you maybe explain a little bit about what this is and, and doing some speaking or other engagements? What is the, what is this that you got going on here? Yeah, this is above the felt. It's a marketing talent agency, which I signed with about six months ago, uh, run by Tom Wheaton, who owns Faded Spade. I don't know if you know, they make the cards for the World yeah, Poker Tour and some of the other events. And I've always been kind of willing to do stuff like this where, I'll go to a casino and, and meet players or uh, promote an event. I actually, I went back to my college maybe four or five years ago and spoke to students, and, and I really enjoyed that. I didn't think I would. I, I thought that was awesome. So I've always been open to these things, but I'm not good at, like, emailing people, following up, doing meetings. So it's it's good to have someone like Tom in your corner to kind of, uh, like, facilitate these deals because I'm open to them. I've just never really pursued pursued stuff like this yeah no it's uh it's awesome and is there so is that something that if someone wants to get a hold of you or get in touch that's the best way to go to here or get a hold of tom and then kind of you know they and, and what what is the scope of that like are you going you said universities is it coaching involved or is that different like for one-on-one coachings is this part of that no it's less of a poker coaching thing and um more of a, a speaking and kind of uh strategy decision making how i approach uh decisions in poker how that translates to business or school or life things like that and uh yeah or if you're a card room or, or company and would like to bring me in uh go through that site and uh i'll i'll, I'll get with you guys 
Very cool. And uh, just speaking about the World Poker Tour and, and obviously the WSOP coming up, it's been a weird year, year and a half with COVID, not been a lot of live events. How, how has that been for you? And what has been different? Because you kind of pride yourself and, and you are known as sort of like a live you know, pro tournament guy. Have you been playing a little bit more online in Jersey or studying more, enjoying the family? I know you have a, you said you have a 10-month-old and now a four-year-old. So you know, give me a little bit of a, a breakdown of the last year and a half. What's been different for you? Man, a, a lot's been different. I was when, when when it first started, I wasn't playing much. I'd, I had to kind of make a decision: Am I gonna? I hadn't played online a lot since 2013, 14, maybe. And I, I was either going to be all in and play a ton online, or not play at all. I'm kind of extreme in, in that sense. So last year, I actually dove in, played a ton online, um, did well, and then this year, this year when live tournaments started to come back, I played more of those, but. Just being at home with your family for so long it was uh, was amazing, and I was talking to my wife about it. I haven't been home longer than a month or two in a row since I was 18 years old. So I'm always traveling to this stop, that stop. So to be home with my daughter nine months in a row with the family was uh, was amazing. That's awesome. And is is that is is something with the online though? Is it how how do you feel versus back in 2013, 2014? What are some of the biggest sort of differences, changes, you know, there's different software solvers, these type of th- things people are using. Uh, what what have you found to be different in the game right now online? Is that, do you find it tougher, easier, just completely different? Yeah, I would say at the higher stakes, it's gotten a lot tougher where you really have to be studying and working hard to be able to compete and win, uh, especially in the rest of the world sites. I think people people there play really well at the high stakes and you, you get a couple action players who will uh, – get the events going but besides that people are playing really well and uh it's it's tough to win you got to work hard where i mean maybe 2013 14 it was starting to get tougher but certainly nothing like when uh when i started playing online in in college in 2007 or 8 like it's not like that anymore and I mean, give us a little look inside of what you are, what you're doing to sharpen your game. You know, not all the secrets that you got the, you got the record. There's no, you know, if you want to do one of your coaching courses, any point, I'm sure you could release it and do that. But mm-hmm. until then, you're going to keep building up the, uh, the lead and the, the, the results. What is, uh, what are some things though you like to focus on to improve your game? Are you more with talking with friends and peers? Do you do more kind of solver work or is it just, you know, what is your what is your methodology to um, sort of staying ahead of everything and, and being at the top of your game? I don't have a huge uh, group where I, where, where I talk hands, and I probably do less solver work than most uh, high-stakes players or, or players who play the tournaments I do. But That's it, what it everyone is, says. I had Mateo sign yesterday, bring Kenny. You know, I, I, everyone's just – I think everyone's got the – all right, I, hint, 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 wink, wink, fair enough. Everyone, no one's working on their game, they say, but everyone's just the best. All right, go ahead. So, yeah. fair enough, I'm not – I get it. I get it. Go ahead. No, I'm working no. a little bit. I'm not going to – I'm not going to act like I'm not working at all, but – I, I do try to focus more on uh, like where players are deviating from solver strategy or, or, or what is standard and which players are taking which spots. Are they under bluffing, over bluffing? I think I think for me it's really important. Um, the more I I play against a player, I think the more the more I can pick up and the greater my edge can become. Where if I'm kind of going in cold playing against random players, I think my edge is probably pretty small if they're playing well and it's more of a computer solver game. I'm, I'm, I'm winning less where if, if I'm playing day in day out with these guys, I'm kind of starting to pick up on how they play and what spots they're taking. I can, I can make some adjustments maybe quicker than they can and, uh, and, and achieve a higher win rate. And, and looking back over, I want to go through your, well, it's pretty small. Let's try to 
zoom this in a bit. Some of these, some of these wins, we'll look through the World Poker Tour, but then looking at the, you know, just kind of like the hen and mob, which you are, you play a variety of stuff. I know you're there. You just, I guess we were just had a huge score live too. This was in at the hard rock down there. Did you chop this or did you guys, did you play? Yeah, yeah that was a, that was a chop. That was actually kind of a funny situation. I, I got COVID down there and, uh, I, oh, wow. I didn't know, I didn't know I had it. I was, I was, I was vaxxed and, uh, kind of didn't really, I, I, I thought the odds were pretty low that I, that I actually had it. I, I was, I was pretty sick all week during, during that thing. And, uh, Got heads up with Joe, solid player. We were pretty deep, and I'm like, let's let's chop this thing up. I didn't I didn't really have the energy to sit there and grind a high stakes heads up match with a, with a terrible headache. And and so you know, Joe, I, I think I saw he's either number one GPI. I'm not sure if the GPI is kind of funny now because of live stuff in the last year and a half and what's going on. But he's he is one of the. I mean, he won the main event. He's had ridiculous results. He's also deep in the World Poker Tour a lot. See his name there. What, what's uh, He's also in your area, I believe, right? Or in, in the same kind of region. He's Pennsylvania, I think, in your New Jersey. Like, is, is this someone you've battled a lot with, with McKeon, and, and you're pretty familiar with his game? Yeah, he's a, he's a Philly guy, and uh, we've played quite a bit uh, deep in these kind of events. Uh, so, solid player, I think. Probably similar to me, where, where he studies less than some of the other high stakes players, but has a great natural understanding of like ICM and pressure, and uh, I, th- I think he understands like final table dynamics pretty well, and uh, has had a lot of success. And is uh, is it, so in a, in a in a spot like that? I mean, you obviously Thomas Boyvin also. I've seen him; he's been really great results yeah. and really really tough. So I mean, this was David Peters, uh, Joe Jones. So it was a pretty tough tough final table. What what when you came in here? Where were you stack wise, and, and how did this kind of shake out? I'm just, you know, these are. It's always interesting. These are these are really they get great fields there. The 25k I played a few times, got a couple of deep runs, and it's it's a good. They really seem to get some of the biggest entrance uh, down there. When you play that tournament, do you, do you already make up your mind like how many rebuys, bullets you're going to do, and all that, or do you just kind of go in and and is it? Do you have a strategy for the 25ks and 100ks, like high stakes, what you do before you start? Like, do you know how many you're going to play or fire? Rebus. It kind of depends on the event. This one, uh, I would agree. The, the, the 25K in Florida, I think, is one of the best of the year. So this is kind of an unlimited reentry situation for me. Like, I, I don't think I would ever stop entering. But um, the final table itself, I think I came in second. Joe was first. But these things, they get pretty shallow. And uh, you can be in second and have 30 big blinds, but seventh or eighth has 20, 20 big blinds. So th- things can change really quickly. So I, I think... We were first and second, most final table, uh, lost a few pots, five-handed. I was five of five and then uh, was able to knock out Peters and, and kind of get, get to get to second. Yeah, that, that this pers- the actual, this specific one, I played twice where I, I think I, I got like eighth or ninth. And it was, it was actually, I think, four to 16 big blinds at the final table was between yeah. one and eight, which was like, yeah, it's kind of crazy, kind of big yeah. way and but um yeah it's uh it's a it's a cool tournament so big score there very nice coming in fresh to vegas you're ready for for the summer are you gonna play the full poker master schedule uh here are you are you playing what what are the what's the lineup here this week for the 10ks 25ks and and all the schedule i think there's four or five uh 10ks coming up there's two 25s i just popped up this second i think they just added that on your uh well for your for for last uh, or okay, they put that you did. You, you said late last night you got eighth, right? You got knocked That's out. Right. 12, yeah, 12, 12. Yeah. Um, so you min cash that, and then what? What is the uh, what's the biggest one? What's the main event there? 
Uh, it's a hundred. I think it starts on the 18th. So I, I might miss the hundred at the end just cause I'm headed back to New Jersey to play the uh, WPT event there, but it goes 10 K 10 K. I think there's five, 10 Ks, two 25 Ks, a 50 and a hundred. Nice. And is that, so give me a little bit of a uh, look into your preparation on that. When you go there, you have a, you, this is different than the, the main events, the WPTs where there's so many players, different strategy. When you are focused on these, it's a lot of the same guys every day, 20, 30, 50 person fields. What is your preparation like? How 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 much notes and understanding do you have of the opponents you're playing and generally there? I definitely know most of the players in these fields, especially in America, where I've played with these guys, know their know how they play, know their reputations. But generally, they're they're solid players. So anytime you're in these high roller fields, I always think of it like you can, you can get away with less. Like you can't get away with some of the plays you can make in a in a three k main event or something like that, and you have to play more fundamentally sound because you're you're not going to be able to take shortcuts and, and steal chips from these guys because they're they're too good. So you, go ahead. Yeah, no, and I just remember last time on the, the first podcast we had we were talking. I think you were starting to kind of dive more into the the higher stakes stuff or the you know because it is a different game. It's just different. This is like a lot of the same guys. You know, it's bigger money, bigger prizes, but it's also generally tougher. So what is your sort of outlook and what, what do you see? Let's just take for the next year, assuming poker is back for live, everything's kind of normal coming up. What is your breakdown? How much are you going to be focusing on these type of poker go, Triton type events, or just saying, all right, you know, I'm going to keep crushing these these uh, 3,500 WPTs and main events and traveling around. How do you kind of break up that and how do you weigh those in terms of what you expect for results? For me, it's more about location. Uh, I'll play most of these events if they're in the U.S. and if it fits into my schedule. So the, the Vegas series, I'll probably play all the, the 50, the 100, the 250, whatever. But I, I'm not too keen on traveling to Europe or, or Russia or something to, to play these these super high roller events. And that doesn't really fit into like how, how, I've, how I've had success in poker. And I, I do enjoy – being in America, play being in a reasonable time zone, being comfortable, waking up, playing. Where I, I coming up in poker, I actually did pretty poorly in Europe when I was younger, and I was always I was always just a mess over there. I'm waking up at four or five a.m., don't know any of the players, not not performing my best, and uh, I've always had issues with that traveling internationally a little bit. So I, I do like playing in the states. Uh, I will say so. I'll play the main events in the states, and I'll play some of these. Some of these high roller events, but they're not really. I'm not building my schedule around uh, like a super high roller bowl kind of thing. But if it fits in, I'll play. And I, I think there is the 300k coming up, and there's some other, you know, like ridiculous uh, buy-ins. And you know, does that interest you? Is that something goal-wise? Are you like, I want to play the million dollar next million dollar they have? Do I want to play mm-hmm. the 500s? Like, is this something that you, you sort of like are, are salivating for? Or you're just like, I don't know, I'll see how I feel, or maybe sat in, or maybe sell some, or are you just like can't wait for like the biggest baddest event going i mean it goes both ways i do want it and like from a challenging yourself perspective and uh i would love i would love to just travel the world and play all these all the biggest events and compete against the big players um i i, I would love to do that but it, it's just tough to being a dad and uh having two kids at home like i'd like to play these main events too as well and i think uh money wise probably the main event WPT that's more of an appealing structure to me than going to play a tough 300 K having to sell 80% or something and, and playing against all the best players in the world. I, I don't love that like business model. And also I don't love, Oh, I just got home from this WPT. And now I got to go to Cyprus and play two weeks of events. It's, it, it's tough where I kind of have to pick and choose. And most of the time I, uh, I choose the, 
the more convenient events or the uh, the WPT events. And how is your wife and, and how is your support system for for that? Because, you know, I also have a two and a half year old, a little different, and I generally bring my family, but I'm not I'm not playing the every day uh, with the hotel or get Airbnb, you know, this type of stuff. It is tricky, right? You don't want to, I never want to be away more than a few days or five days, a week max, maybe from the family. How do you kind of balance with your, you know, that with, with like, just kind of understanding that it's your job, um, you know, and, and how do you sort of make it all work with, with your wife and, and balancing that? Yeah. It's an interesting like dichotomy where, where I, I'm on, I'm on these poker trips. I'm playing high stakes poker all day, um, completely focused doing work. And when I get home, I'm, I'm really not doing as much that much poker work at all. And, and I'm just focusing on being a dad, being present, being with my family. So it's really like all in one way or the other. And I, I don't like bringing them with me. It, it is a distraction. I think even just having them here, knowing what they're doing, where we're going dinner or something like that, where I really like being able to fully commit when I'm, when I'm on these trips and just, I'm going to play poker from noon to 2 AM every day. And that, that's what I'm here for. And, and when I get home, that's when I can be a dad and be present. So um, that, that's kind of how I handle it. I think when you mix, when you mix it both ways, it becomes, a, I've done it. I've brought them to the Bahamas and trips like that. It, it, it's a little more challenging for me. It is right. Exactly. Cause it's not just as simple as like, okay, but it's just like you, you, so the second, you know, you, there is time you need to, you need to kind of meditate or relax. You need to, you know, play your best. Like if you're, it's just not, it's a different experience. If you're like texting, organizing, trying to figure out meet there. And then in the back of your head, it's like, Oh, maybe I'll like take this spot or play a little different. And I'll have yeah. free time if I go for it. Just sort of, uh, I think convolutes everything. And it's, it's probably not, you know, the GTO way to go about it, but um, yeah, I think it's a constant juggling act. So yeah, it's definitely interesting. Looking back on um, your successes in the World Poker Tour and versus WSOPs, what's your best WSOP finish in like any event? Any any of the? No um, I think I got third in the Deuce to Seven No Limit twice, so that would be my best. Close I've been to bracelet is uh, third. I've got third twice in the same event, the 10K Deuce. And is is that like how important is it to you to to win a bracelet? Like you've got four World Poker Tours. I think everyone in poker kind of knows you know your uh you know your way around a poker table but is there is there any kind of is that something that's on your list that you just like man i gotta cross it off get the monkey off my back or, or just like whatever it's just you want to do well i would like to i'd like to win a bracelet i'd say it's not super important to me um at, at this point it's almost becoming embarrassing because they got 50 dollar turbos and flips and stuff like they're almost giving the bracelets away now so it's uh i, I think it'll happen if i keep playing but as they keep adding these more, these smaller events and more of them, it becomes less prestigious and less important to me, but uh, it is still something I'd like to have on my resume, I guess. Yeah, it's, you're right. It, it, it almost still becomes exactly, it's like kind of like you sort of have to have one. Like at some point you got, you're going to be in a, a room or a round and like three guys will have them and they, you know, no one's ever heard of them. And oh, like, you, yeah. you won the $200 Pennsylvania turbo for 80 people. Like, that's i was i didn't understand i saw that 3k they gave so that was for bracelets huh they gave that was a real world series bracelet the pennsylvania like closed off pennsylvania market one yeah i think my my friend uh shankar actually won it it had like 80 people or something yeah that's right i saw the payouts were crazy on that right like it was like uh i forget the i mean like 25 percent or 20 percent cash and it was like less than the buy-in and something weird it was yeah it's off but um, yeah, w, WSOP, um, w, w, 
it, I think it's a good illustration of like how much interest there is in the American market for people to play online where their product, I would say, is, is not the best and they don't really listen to players or adjust anything. So um, being able to work with Party Poker and, and WPT, some of the premier brands, I think I think we can do a lot just because there's so much demand in the U.S. for online poker and it's uh, it's just getting started. And what do you what do you see right now as the the biggest sort of obstacle for poker to grow in in the U.S. Because you know we've been around around I think we're you're two months younger than me roughly so we've been in poker around the same time we've we've seen the the, the ups and downs what do you see as you know obstacles for it to uh, to grow from where we are right now in the U.S. I think it's most mostly uh, laws and, and legislation and uh, it, it's kind of sad. I, New Jersey got online poker in I think 2013 or 14, so that's that was eight years ago, and uh, we still only have three or four states, and some of them are, are segregated. Where I'd really like to see more like impetus to get get things moving with the government to get more states, get them linked up, and uh, I actually saw Rob Rob Young, party poker guy, announced he's going to make this union and focus on lobbying governments and working for poker. And I think that's amazing. We really need something like that with with money behind it to uh, to get these because I think it's all about money in the long run. I, I don't I don't I'm not deluded that these politicians care about morals or, or gambling. Where I I think it's just a money thing, and uh, we need to get get the money behind it to get to get it moving. Yeah, no, it's it's great what Rob's doing for sure. He's one of the you know few people I think that you can most people know in poker just try to do the right thing and 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 try to you know go go for the go for poker players. So yeah, it's great. It's I think it is the right direction. It's an uphill battle and it's surprising. I just never I remember Black Friday two thousand eleven. I just never imagined like ten years later that 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 it would be this. That, you know, you would think that after two, three, four years, the full it would be fully regulated back online everything be normal so it's also the crazy we're still in it right like a lot of guys we know haven't been in poker so the fact yeah. that we're still in and it hasn't sort of uh found its way and, and sorted out to be working smoothly is, is annoying but i mean michigan came on pennsylvania came on so that's it is promising i think with covid and seeing the live stuff closed down and also tax dollars and now sports bettering at a, at a federal level is legal all these things are sort of indicators that things are moving a little bit but uh it's still still slow and i think until new york or california or one exactly. of these top in then it'll be uh it'll be wide open again um very yeah very cool tell me tell me which is your out of all these these uh these runs at the the world poker tour which one you know winning the first one i mean you went back to back which is which is kind of crazy, but was there anyone that kind of got away? Like you've had so many, I think people don't realize you have 13 final tables, which is also a record. Was there any that were just like, wow, like you, you thought you had it for sure. You were the chip leader, three or four handed. I see you have a, a numerous thirds. I don't think you've lost heads up, right? It's just no. the reason if, if you get heads up, you get it done. That's the yeah. Thing. I've got third, I've got third, uh, three or four times. I would say two of them I could have played better and probably two, Two of them I ran awful, where um, both the TOC, uh, 2017-18, and Jacksonville, I had literally 90% of the chips in play in both of those and wow. uh, lost all in after all in to, to lose. So, but, Does ahead. the TOC count? Is that one? Does that count? No, I don't think that would count as a fifth title because it's invite only. It's only like 80 people. Right. And, uh, Jacksonville one would have counted where – I had eight or nine million of eleven million or something, and uh, that, that that one sticks out. But those don't bother me too much when 
I play well and lose all ends and w- whatever. The ones that haunt me more if I, I make a mistake or, or don't play well three or four handed, those are the ones that really uh, stick with me where if I just run bad, I don't really care. What, what's your what's your cutoff in these sort of WPTs where you know you know you know what the push folds and you know where you're supposed to call like how often are you making let's say a guy jams like on the button 15 20 blinds something in that range and you have like a spot where you're like all right this is like a close call like you know it's a plus CV call but like what how how much do you value sort of that that chip preservation and are you making folds even like we're just like wow i'm like almost for sure flipping even though i should have the best hand like where's what's your cutoff and like maybe give me an example of a, a sort of insane fold someone might think that you've made where it's just like you just knew like you didn't want to risk you know even like ace king or some spots where you're folding where you just like don't want to flip is there any sort of examples or a specific one in a tournament that that you could give it as an example because you're doing something different, right? You're doing yeah. you're doing different stuff than people. I'm not asking for the secret sauce. I just want to like maybe try to give like someone an idea. Because we saw this actually, uh, Brent Hanks. You might have saw that clip at the the, the merit um, where yo yo viral that guy Johan he folded his yeah. And then they were like, "This is the worst fold in the history." But there was big ICM, and it always depends what the other what the other stacks are and what's going on, right? Like, but it seems crazy. You know, maybe give me some example like that where you made a fold where it might not have been when the whole cards were up, right? Because it was before mm-hmm. the final table or deep. Um, give me maybe some examples of like spots where you play tighter than people might think. Yeah, that, that idea, I think that in these really soft WPT main event types of things, you want to preserve your stack. And then also people are not usually going all in as wide as they should. So just like, fundamentally you need to adjust and, and, and not call as wide. So I think uh, compared to high rollers, I'm playing a lot tighter in, the, in those types of spots. I remember a hand from, from Niagara Falls view. I won, um, I don't know. It was probably three, four years ago, maybe longer, two tables left uh, tight player. Cause, Cause you get a lot, you get a lot of these like local tight players that it's such a huge spot for them. Like they play $100 tournaments, $300 tournaments. They satellite in. They play one 5K a year. This is like such a big spot where some people some people play really tight. Some people freak out and play loose. But this guy was playing tight, opened big um, under the gun. We're not super deep, probably like 30 blinds deep. Um, I have ace-queen suited on the button. I call um, big blind calls maybe. Maybe it's three ways on the flop. So I, I call ace-queen suited tight scared player opens on the gun flop is ace 10 three check and he's all in for three times the pot and um a spot that you just don't see you don't see very often where um guy clearly likes his hand wants to get all the money and we have one of the better hands we can have but in 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 my eyes i'm just saying oh this guy probably has ace king and um i, I folded like i folded um never knew what he had but uh that, that's a spot where I, I guess it's more of a reaction adjustment game because that's that's not a real play to go all in for three times the pot. But you will see weird spots like that in these tournaments, and there is no preparation you can do for that. Where you're, you're not going to run sims on that spot or anything. It's more about yeah. where. Give me like give me like a blind on blind though. Let's say you're down to ten or twelve, fifteen left, and you know you're you know like generally what. Well, I mean, obviously, no. Like, what hands you use for X amount of blinds? Like, where's is there a cutoff where you're like, I'm folding ace nine or ace ten for where I use? It's like a clear call, but you're just like, you know what? You know, this is stuff Helmuth talks about the white yeah. man, some of his stuff where he like he just like won't call or he's like makes like extraordinary 
Yeah. But he just doesn't want to put his chips at risk. Um, is there stuff like that where you're like, man, I'm so deep and like, I'm going to pick up. Is that's also probably a function of how tough the tournament's left too. If it's like, if you're 10 handed in Choctaw and you're the only guy you recognize and it's like, all right, yeah, I just don't want to put the chips in the middle without, you know, a really strong hand versus if you're in a spot where it's you and five kind of wizards and you're 10 handed and maybe you have to, you have to go for it a little more. Is that, how, how much do you kind of weigh that, that type of, uh, of, um, outer and more, are you just kind of to the book? Like, no, this is definitely a call and I'm calling. I mean, I'd say I'm not to the book, but definitely not on the white magic helm youth team. I, I don't want to get lumped in with him where, um, if, if even in shock, I have a guy shoves 15 big blinds on the button. I'm, I'm probably not going to fold ACE nine off in the big blind ACE 10. I'm not going to make these magical folds because I, I do think sometimes there's this like, idea of, oh, I'll have a better spot. Oh, I can make chips so easily. But in some sense, like, that is the spot. <laughs> like, you have ace nine on the button. A guy's shoving a range that is worse. Let's take the spot. Yes, you're not a lock, but folding that, you're, you're giving away you're giving away chips. And as stacks get shorter, which they do in these in these things deep where average stack is 20, 30 big blinds, your, your spots become less frequent and the edges become smaller where we're not playing 100, right. 100 200 blinds deep two-hour levels where you have all these spots. So you kind of do have to take some of the smaller edges, even versus weaker players. So um, I, yeah. I do I do adjust on the tighter side, but definitely not anything like a Helmuth or well, that's part of the problem. So if you fold that for 15 and you're like, say you're five, six handed, you know, you hit a couple couple spots and the next thing you know, you're down to like nine blinds and you're shoving ace five off. And you're yeah. just like, that guy just has, you know, whatever, sixes and you're just out or, or you double and you're still basically where you were. Like this is, uh, you know, I think this is part of the art of the tournament poker and, and really understanding too that those top scores are so huge, right? Like to get 12, like that's something that I've struggled with in my career and looking back in a lot of spots too. It's like, you know, you'd much rather have the one, two, threes in, in a lot of like 18 or 15s than, than like, you know, eight through 12 all day mm-hmm. long, right? There's just the money so top heavy as well. So I think that's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. You gotta, you gotta be willing, you know, Amir Vahidi is one of the best, best quotes was like in order to live, you must be willing to die in terms of poker. And I think Absolutely. that's uh, very powerful. And you just don't want to be in the habit of being down to like five, 10 blinds and, and trying it's, to, you know, it's tough to win the tournament that way. And, and there's a ton of value in, uh, in having the chip lead, like down the stretch, all these ICM spots. Like if, if you watch the high rollers, somebody like Ali where um, so willing to die, so aggressive, always, always pushing. And he gets all these wins because he, he has the chip lead from, from two tables down because he's willing to take these spots and uh, willing to pressure people. And uh, that that's important. Like, yeah, sometimes you're sitting there with 12 big blinds, you're surviving. You're, you're going to win the tournament sometimes, make hands, ladder, double up. But that, that's a much tougher ask than uh, having the chip lead and, and putting people all in and they're, they have to fold because the pay jumps is a, that's a much easier path to victory. For sure. And, and how do you, how do you deal with, uh, I think I, one of the notes I was reading uh, from the past two, we had, and, and we had spoken, you take time off, usually a day, a week off. And sometimes if you're not running well or don't feel like things are going amazing, maybe even more, what, what do you, what are some, some methods you deal with when you're going on a downswing and are, are just like, doesn't, things don't seem to be going well for whatever reason. You don't, you don't like what's happening. What, what are some of your tricks to sort of reset? I will, uh, I'll take some time off and, and sometimes I'll also, also like switch arenas kind of where if I'm doing really poorly online, I'll, I'll try to play more live or, or if I'm, or if I'm stuck in a live rut, I'll, I'll go play online and, um, I'll do the same thing where I'm winning. If, if I'm doing well in a certain arena, I'll keep playing. Cause 
sometimes there's things that, that are working for you that are beyond your grasp that you don't understand, but they're happening in that arena and you don't understand until later. Uh, one example I think of is when I first started playing in Europe, I was, I was losing a ton and I, I didn't really understand why I, I didn't think the players were playing better uh, in, in the States or whatever, but looking back on it and now that I'm more self-aware, whatever in tune with what was going on, I wasn't doing as well because I didn't know any of the players I was playing against. Everyone was a random to me. And when I would play in the States, these WPTs, I kind of have some idea of who this person is. Are they local? Are they a pro? What's their average buy-in? Is this a big tournament for them? Are they going to bluff me? And that that gives me a much bigger edge than playing against the – I see a 20-year-old European pro. I don't know if he's a nit. I don't know if this is a big tournament for him. I know nothing about the kid. So – it, it, it was a much easier time in the States. And I, I, I kind of didn't realize that at the time, but now, now looking back, it's pretty clear to me. And do you see, do you see yourself though later on? Is that something when your kids get a little older, like during summer, you know, vacations or like, I, I love seeing guys that are sort of their kids are just in college and they're on the tour and they're firing around, you know, like they're in there and you can tell them the time of their life, they got some money. Now they're older and they're just in there and they're, they're going to these spots and they're having wine you know, hanging out and, and, and firing. Do you see that? Or do you, like, where do you see yourself when, you know, 15 or say 20 years from now? Like, uh, it's hard to tell, but do, do you see yourself playing poker for for, for the for sort of ever at some some level? Man, 15, 20 years is a, is a long way away. It, it's tough to even think about. I, I will say, I don't think you're going to find me, like, drinking wine, splashing around. Like, if I'm playing poker when I'm 20 years, I'd be 50, 55. It's going to be more like a, Seidel thing where, where I'm still trying to compete and be the best and win. I don't think I'm ever going to be in as a casual fun player or something where I, I think if, if I lose my passion for the game and I'm not, I'm not enjoying it anymore, I, I would just quit. Um, or if I ever thought I couldn't compete like at, at the higher levels, I think I would be more likely to quit than uh, kind of get in there and dick around. You're not, you're never going to be the splashy fun guy. That's not your, that's, that's not, not your, my that, all right, I like it. That's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. And what about, uh, what about what did you ever think like 10 years ago? Would you ever imagine when you were playing that there would be hundred K's and million dollar buy-ins? I mean, it seems like kind of such a crazy, crazy concept that's just happened. And it's just, it's getting, you know, carry cats, these, uh, Paul Foy and these guys, Triton, like, it's just, they're putting these on like, uh, you know, like it's nothing. Like they're just like, it's amazing. The economy, the poker coming in crypto helps. And, you know, it's just, it's just interesting, but like these things are really jamming. I mean, there's like, they're, they're, it's, I couldn't believe it. I, I stopped in Cyprus for a few days and it was, it was there. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, next thing you know, it's already here. You are playing the poker masters and they have 10 K series. Just like, you know, the 10 Ks are almost like warmups. Like the 10 Ks aren't even big. And back in the day, like 10 K was the highlight event for a season for the world poker tour. What's your, where could it go from here? Do you, are you shocked at this or do you think this is like, are you used to it now? I mean, I guess I'm used to it or desensitized to it a little bit, but I I don't know if it's inflation or, I mean, the, the crypto stuff definitely has some influence. I was, I was at a table yesterday. I was probably the oldest one there, and these kids are talking about penguins and NFTs, and I, I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? It, it's a, uh, it, it's a new age, and uh, there's definitely ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I'm playing online. I'm playing a big Sunday. I might lose five or ten thousand playing the highest stakes. Like that would be a, a really bad Sunday. Where right. last year when I was playing rest of the world online stuff, I would. Could be in for two hundred fifty thousand, three three hundred thousand on a Sunday. Just baffling, like amounts that you can actually get in. And I, I think a lot of it is the unlimited reentry, where 
back in the day, we played more freeze outs and mm-hmm. uh, it, it, you couldn't fire bullets, tw- 20 big blinds, 15 big blinds. But uh, it can only go up from here, I guess. I mean, it, it, as long as these high roller events keep getting entries and getting some wrecks in there, I, I think this will continue. If it's ever, whenever it gets to the point where uh, these things have like 10, 15 people and they're not starting, that's a different story. But it looks really healthy right now, the ecosystem. And I, I was talking to Kerry. He's got uh, he's got more stuff lined up for next year, first quarter, super high roller bowl coming up, you said. So I think uh, I think it's healthy right now. Yeah, it does. It seems it seems like it's really it's really moving, and it's uh, it is a wild time, but it's it's just really it's surprising, you know. Like you said, looking back on it, it's just really hard to imagine. I mean, the million pound is just so silly, and that you know, from there, who knows what happened if COVID hadn't happened? It might be a million pound rebuy, it might be two million pounds. I mean, it's just like it's on. You know, I I actually think what you know, what, I think the next best thing that could happen for these these high rollers uh, would be to add like the knockout component because if you because then like money stays in and recycles a bit it's more gambling it's fast it's probably more fun for viewers right people are like because that because people are going to start playing spewier because they have they should based mm-hmm. on the map like you see these ko's on. i mean if you look online right now like a majority of these tournaments are knockouts yeah it keeps money in the ecosystem it's fast it's more loose it's a little more gambly and I think like, you know, imagine like a 100K knockout where every knockout's 25K, like you're going to get more runners. Like guys yeah. are going to be like, yeah, like, all right, like I might get half my buy-in back or three quarters my buy-in back or, you know, whatever. I guess maybe some of the, some players wouldn't love it as much because then it's like the payouts. But I don't, what, what are your thoughts on that, on knockouts? Like would you, if there was a 100K knockout on the, the schedule, like would you find that more or less appealing right now for like at the Poker Go, for example, this, this, this series? I'm pretty indifferent um, as a pro, but I think you're right that a lot of players like it. Recreational players like it. And uh, Kerry actually ran one. I played it at Aria. It was like 30K. I think it was 20 plus 10 bounties. And it's definitely more of a fun environment. And uh, people are kind of headhunting, going after people. Yeah, and and you get loose. like Because if you're in, it's 30, and all of a sudden you catch a knockout or two, you're kind of like, all right. Like, all of a sudden, if you're you're in for 30 and, and. you got if you've got two knockouts, you're just like this is like great. Like I'm I'm almost free rolling, or you get the three knockouts and you are free rolling. So I don't yeah. know. I think it's um yeah. I think it's I think it's cool, and I think that might, we might see some more of that. What about PLO? What are your thoughts on PLO? Do you play at all? I think I asked you last time. And I don't know if you're yeah. I, I played a little bit um, when I was really young, like uh, right out of college. I played uh, cash games live at like Beau Rivage in uh, it was in Mississippi. I was, I was playing these big live cash games PLO. But since then, I, I haven't played much, and I, I know there's a lot of a lot of money in the game. I just I don't really like it. I, I don't enjoy it, and um, I prefer games that are no limits. So the only games I really play at the moment are uh, no limit hold'em, obviously, and no limit deuce to seven. Deuce to seven sounds like I know you'll be eyeing that on the the WSOP schedule. That's that seems like you've had a couple a couple deep runs and and know know your way around that game. What uh what's your thoughts on the main event this year? Do you think records will be broken now with the masks and COVID kind of and the, and the stuff happening? WSOP seems to have a little bit of a uh, I don't want to say fiasco, but they're, they're some of the rules are confusing. Like the dealers don't have to be vaccinated, but all the players do. And you've seen some sort of outcries and outrage from some of the the bigger names in poker uh, mm-hmm. voice their opinion. What, where, where do you stand on this whole WSOP? What do you think is going to happen in prediction for, for field sizes as well? I'm a little unsure, I guess, uh, on how it's going to go. You're, you're definitely going to turn away some players with the required vaccines, but um, I, I don't, I'm not really even 
um, qualified to say if that's the right thing to do, or I, I have no idea. But I, I do think there's just so much pent up demand right now for poker because because of COVID, because of quarantine, people have been locked down that people want to play right now. And if you see these field sizes, I don't think it'll be the biggest main event ever, but I, I also don't think it'll be a, a fluke where I, I would say it gets at least like 5,000 players. I think, you know, it's interesting. I, the line, I think originally when COVID sort of opened back up, I thought it would definitely be the biggest uh, we would ever see. Like I thought 10,000 is possible even, but now I think that, I think the line will be around. I still think though, I mean, look what happened with, with Florida, right? With the WPT there. I think you got 10th maybe in that one or, or no, is yeah. it this one you just, you just got deep like 2000 runners or something. 2500 i think or 2495 yeah. like insane there was like I, the waiting list you you didn't get until day one via like the end of the day it's just insanity so i have a feeling you know people are stimmy money's flying crypto's flying people want to play like i i think it i think it could still hit the record if not ten thousand. but I, it'll be we'll know pretty soon i think in the first like two weeks week of the series you'll see if it's just like absolutely insanity or if it's like you know, if it's cooled off a bit, but, um, but yeah, yeah you, two, you have two things kind of opposing each other. You have all this demand. People want to play. There's a lot of money. And then there's this COVID, uh, we're not going to have as many international players. I don't think this year. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you probably turn away something like 20 or 30% of people have a ideological issue with the vax, uh, thing. So they're not going to come. So you kind of have these one's good, one's bad. And they're both hitting, I, I would guess it's near, near five, yeah. 6,000, something like that. Yeah, and do you think the uh, do you think it'll be softer than this year? Yeah, I, I I do think not having the international players is good. Most time, if you get guys traveling here from Europe or South America to play poker all summer, they're usually decent players. So uh, not having those guys in there, I mean, who knows? Maybe they come anyway. But I, I think with the quarantine uh, rules, it, it's probably a little tricky. They'd have to show up like two weeks early or something like that. Um, so who knows? I, I do think it will be a soft series, and I think people will show up. Yeah. And, and honestly, if like the, if these like five K's and three K's or whatever, like they get less people, it's not that big a deal. Cause in a way it's like kind of better in some re- respects that you get a better chance to win, right. A bracelet. Like, cause when you look at like a 2000, you know, 800 person, 500 person fields, it's tricky to win bracelets. So it's kind of like, all right, if there's only 600 or 800 or 1200 instead of 3000, some of these, it's like, you know, it's not like that. This it's still value. It's still exciting. It's still big money. And, and um, yeah, I think it's going to be a nice, it'll be a nice time uh, no matter what um, I see. What do you think about gamifying? So I see fear craps 28 is in the chat asking, I think online poker is boring now. doesn't like the way the chess and throwing emojis and, and all this stuff at opponents. But in some ways I feel like that gamifies it and like, you know, kind of like legal, uh, what's the game legal legends or you know Zelda, these things where it's like, there's stuff going on and they're interactive. I, I sort of like that. I mean, I think there's like a fine line. Where, where do you stand on like the extracurricular stuff on there? Do you like just like a, you know, plain blank thing, play the game, or do you kind of like when people can throw tomatoes at you and, and uh, you know, you can, you can interact a bit. Well, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, call me boring, but um, I don't really like getting hit with a banana, like in the middle of a hand or like the, the GG, the first time I played on GG and the, the river's like super huge and you get it peeled in your face all slow. Like it, at first I was against it and I, I think it's personal preference where and I know people that love it and I know people that don't like it. Um, when I say I'm against it, I don't, I don't really care. Like uh, may, maybe I'm slightly, slightly against it, but uh, it depends where you're looking for. It's, it's, there's guys who want to get on there and have fun and play a video game. They're going to like it. If there's guys who are playing, guys who are pros trying to play a living, making playing like 
six or eight tables, most of them probably probably don't like it. So it depends what you're trying to get out of the game. And I, I think with poker, people are very uh, – they're just worried about their, their, themselves and like, what do they want where they think everybody thinks like them. So what, what may be boring to you is exciting to somebody else. And you, you have to be aware of every, everyone has dis- different perspectives. We're, we're not all thinking the same. For sure. Yeah. It's also, I mean, a lot of those are customizable, right? You can change the, yeah, uh, you can turn off most of the stuff. So I think it's, I think it's fine as long as you, you have um, the option. What is uh being, you know, as a, as sort of a, a brand ambassador, and now you are officially, but kind of one someone people look up to in, in the industry. What are what are some things that you would like to have shown the light for poker players? Like, what are, what are things that you would like to to do in voice? And when you do go talk, you know, on campuses or university stuff like that, what is uh, what's important to you to get across about poker as a game? I think the idea of not being results oriented is really important and something that translates in life in a lot of different cases and and through through the lens of poker where you can do the right thing and get the wrong result. And uh, that that's a really big thing to wrap your head around. And I've done a little bit of like coaching uh, with some recreational players and it's amazing how, how often they get stuck on, Oh, I deep in the tournament. I, I had Jack, someone raised, I went all in the guy at Queens. I shouldn't have done that. Like I lost, I got, I got knocked out and they get stuck and they, and they dwell on this hand and that's not what matters. What matters is the, the spot in the small blind you don't even think about where you folded 10, three suited instead of limping. And you didn't even realize that mistake. So it's, it's all about being accountable and self-aware. And uh, those kind of ideas, I think translate into business school, all kinds of things where you, you don't want to judge yourself on your results and you need to be more process oriented. Yeah. I think, yeah, the results oriented is a big thing in poker. It's also, you know, one of those things that's tough. Like I, I think we were joking about this, or at least for my wife too, back in the day. So they don't really care that the thing is though results oriented. It's so, it's so the results do matter though. Right. Like, you know, if you bust a turn and your wife doesn't want to, you're like, oh, I had Kings and he had, he had, you know, nine, 10 suited and it was all in pre-flop. And, but it's, it is hard. Right. Cause that is something that it is such a results based game in poker but i think that's like if you understand obviously understand variance and 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 uh can convey that you know i think again the lessons are powerful if you can let people understand not to be results oriented if you can you know learn learn from the game and do a positive thing so it, it's a bit unfortunate like we the it is a negative connotation i think poker in general it has been a sort of a stigma and i think that's sort of changing a bit but you know it's just uh you know now we see like uh i think we need a series like the the chess one, right. With the Queens gambit. Like mm-hmm. now these are all these, I know, I think you did a lesson with Alexander Botez. She's been on the, my podcast and they're like superstars. Now chess is just yeah. like gone crazy, a mixture of Queens gambit, a mixture of Twitch, a mixture of the, the pandemic, but like they're almost, you know, why, why are, no, I don't think chess is that much different than poker. Right. It's like, I mean, granted it's a lot like the better players going to win in chess pretty much all the time, but mm-hmm. still like, backgammon chess poker. These are very strategy, uh, skill games and it's mm-hmm. like you know it'd be nice to see poker get a little more uh sort of i guess credit or looked at with the less of a frowning eyes i would say but um is yeah, that, is that, do you think that's that's fair yeah i think that's reasonable maybe poker has a slightly like seedier environment than chess but i mean queen's gambit i, I love that show and they're drinking party and there's a dark side to that as, as well and uh i i've always thought like i, I don't enjoy watching like poker like actual poker on TV too much, but I, I do enjoy some of the shows. And like, I, I don't, I don't know if you were around for like two months, 2 million when, when they had those guys playing online, like 
Ansky and all that. It was almost like a reality show. And uh, I like that. And I think there is potential of some kind of Queen's Gambit thing just to stir up interest in poker, something like that. I mean, I got Cora, my four-year-old, playing five cent, ten cent on uh, on ACR, so she'll she'll be ready if anyone wants to make a make a documentary about her. She's she's already she's already beating the games. She's, she's grinding. Games. Yeah, I got her That's grinding. Amazing. That's a, I I wonder what the record is really for for children that like have learned uh, learned poker. It's got to be. I mean, they start early in chess and backgammon and other games. So I'd say four or five is probably. Yeah, listen, I said it. Kids are going to be CEOs, man. Our kids are going to be when they're 15, 16. It's it's the, everything's evolving and the information is so rampant and people are learning so quickly things now. So um, yeah, I think anything anything's possible. What what is your? Have you been getting more into chess lately? I was for a little bit. There, there was a turn. They were going to have this tournament with uh, poker players um, that aren't that good at chess, because <laughs> like, there, there are poker players like Dan, Dan Smith or whatever. They're actually good, but there's, they yeah. were going to have a tournament with people who were like decent, like Fe- Fedor was in there, maybe Negroni. I saw that, yeah. Uh, it got canceled last minute, but I was like training. I was half-assing it, but training a little bit for chess. Um, that, that tournament, I, I do enjoy it. It's, uh, it's just tough for me. Like if I ever pick up a hobby or something, I, I am very addictive and obsessive where I, I want to spend 10 hours a day and I, I want to try to become one of the best. And with, with chess, that's not really reasonable for me. It's, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's even feasible. Um, so for me to kind of like dabble a little bit is a little is a little tilting. Golf was kind of the same way where I started playing golf and I'm like, I want to play every day, all day and get scratched. But uh, it's just... It's tough when you have other things going on in your life. I'm trying to be an elite poker player, a dad. It's it's hard. Yeah, I I, I find myself struggling with that too. Because even you know studying or learning a language, I like I still don't speak. I, do you speak Portuguese? We I think we talked about that. Don't you? Do you learn? Brazil? Yeah, follow, follow Portuguese. So fluent. Follow. Okay. See exactly like this type of stuff. It's like there's only so much time. So it's like you want to learn a language, you want to learn chess, you want to play golf, you want to be a dad, you want to you know you just can't do it all, right? Like yeah. it really is. Uh, it is you got to pick and choose your stuff, and it, exactly, especially if you want to really be good. You if you want to be great, at, if you want to be great at something, I, I I truly believe there's only one thing. Like that that can be the only thing. And uh, for me right now, I'm still solely focused on poker. So it's tough to take up another like hobby like in earnest and, and really go for it. What what are and what are your thoughts on NFT crypto space? Do you do you believe in? Are you sort of you were saying you're old at the poker table? Some of these guys talking about these punks and penguins, and I know there's carpets, Ethereum rocks. I don't know if you saw Mike McDonald, uh, his tweet. Did you did you pick that up about he was offering that his 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 Ethereum rock would be listed in the Louvre? Did you see that action he was giving? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I which is um, uh, yeah, which is you know. But what do you think on all this? So I I, uh, I got involved with crypto like 2017 I guess and uh, I got pretty pretty involved with like the the ICO boom that year where I was like spending a lot of time doing research trading this stuff and uh, did all did all right and, and and at the end of it I came out just holding the main coins Bitcoin and Ethereum and ignoring ignoring everything else and I understand there's money to be made out there in NFTs. DeFi, all these spaces, like there's certainly money to be made, but right. it, it is a time commitment. And similar to these other hobbies where if I'm going to get in there and start trading this stuff or holding it, I'm going to spend a ton of time and I really value my time. And when I'm home, I don't want to be looking at pictures of rocks in the basement trying to see which is worth more for hours on end, like just to make more money. I uh, I value time home with my family and uh, I, I'm still doing, still doing the poker thing. And uh I don't really have time for it would, would be the short answer where I, I, I'm not against it. Or I, I know there's money to be made. It's more of a time thing. 
For sure. Yeah, same. Exactly. Right. It's just, so if you want to be good at Ethereum rocks or or punks or whatever, it's like either you either sort of, you know, pop in a fund or someone let someone handle it if you believe in it and do it. But you can't just you can't, yeah, you can't research it all. You'll be the fish if you're just in there buying yeah. you know, stuff and then just clicking buttons. So uh, there's, well, something let's to be said, there's something to be said about being able to ignore all the noise too. like anything I see on Twitter. I can just ignore and sleep good at night because I know there's I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to mess with it. And I just. I don't think there's a world in, in five or 10 years where rocks work and Bitcoin and Ethereum doesn't. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't think that's the outcome. So Right. Yeah. You, you don't have to FOMO too hard. It's like if, if, if those do well, that's good. I'm sure Bitcoin and, crypto and Ethereum are, are pumping right along um, for sure. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's definitely take some questions because there are a lot. I saw some good ones and it is going to be a $109 ticket from Party Poker Phase ticket you can get in the WPT main still which is day 1C on Sunday and can you tell me real quick before I pump up the uh, the international WPT what is what is the one you're playing or what's the WPT online in Jersey coming up yeah it's the uh, 3500 buy-in uh, second time they've run this online main tour event in New Jersey uh, day one is Sunday September 19th uh, 5 p.m. Eastern and kind of Partnership between WPT and Party Poker US. Uh, any eligible player in Jersey can play, so you don't have to live in New Jersey. Uh, kind of a similar structure to the land-based events where you come in, it's a slow three-day structure, um, great value, and uh, it, it's a real WPT event. The uh, points count for the player of the year race. Uh, you get your name on the Champions Cup if you win. And uh, I, I encourage everyone – I encourage people to travel because I know New Jersey people are going to play anyway, but I'd really like to see some players from the East coast travel and, and get a hotel, come up for a couple of days. And I, we've actually added a, uh, another event, like a one K on day two. So maybe a little more worthwhile for traveling players. So, so you actually, so if you, if you are a New Jersey resident, but you're somewhere in the world, you can play it or no, you well, have to other way, place. other way around. I'm saying if, if you live somewhere else, you can travel okay. to New Jersey and, and play. You don't have to okay. live in New Jersey. You right. So you just have to be, you have to be, you just have what? to get to New Jersey wherever exactly. you're able to play. Okay. That makes sense. And what are you, what are your thoughts about, let's just say you pop this uh, online. What do you, how, how prestigious do you think it is the online versus live? I think I asked you last time, but have you had more thoughts on it now? There's been a lot more sort of series and you know, what, is, what is your thoughts about someone joining you as a WPT champion on the cup as winning online the, the tournament? I think with the world poker tour, it, it's, it's pretty legit. Cause I mean, you're in, I don't, I think you're in a 5k or 10k, whatever the, the rest of the world championship is. Look at that field. Like, like those are the best players in the world. That, that That's a good, well-structured tournament. Um, yeah. I think that's completely legitimate and uh, different from what the World Series is doing, where the WPT isn't having 10 events with $100, $200 buy-ins and giving away titles. Those are those are just side events. Um, so I, I think uh, the WPT online titles still carry a lot of prestige. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, and yeah, again, the phase. So we will give this ticket away. We're going to do the questions. You guys still have time to get in. And you cannot – so they, they're doing this – they have 50 mega satellite on Sunday, but you have to come in via the face. So they have like a, a 22, 44 into a 109. You can buy into the 109, but if you bag a stack, you you get into the 530. You can't direct buy the 530, which is nice too, because it kind of brings up you know a different uh, feeder system. So it's pretty pretty cool way you can get into the 5K via uh, 109 or less. So we're going to give that away and give you guys a chance to ask questions. Um, let's see. Yeah, new, we've got some New Jersey fans in the chat right now. Like, I got a lot of love for New Jersey, man. It's a, it is a nice place. <laughs> Wait, tell me before, 
you tell me you're, you were a lifeguard in Myrtle Beach. Was that because you were your family was living there? What was the relation to being south? Um, I kind of bounced around a lot. My dad was a high school fo- or a co- high school and then college football coach, so I, I moved around a ton uh, growing up, mostly on the East Coast, and uh, kind of grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, and was a swim- swimmer and lifeguard. So, or sw- swimmer and water polo player, I lifeguarded there too. But uh, we had like this pipeline to the beach in uh, Myrtle Beach, where a lot of the swim team would lifeguard down there in the summer. So uh, a lot of my older friends were there and we would go down there in the summers and lifeguard on the beach, uh, party nice. a little bit, you know, it was, it was a good time. Very cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's knock some of these, these out. And are you still, what's your swim? What's your, what's your best stroke? You do that. Was it the butterfly or the, the freestyle or were you swimming back? I was a, I was a sprinter 50 freestyle. Um, nice. you gotta get your boy Phelps here. Have a little, have a little showdown. I remember, I remember <laughs> talking to him in the Bahamas once. He was gonna spot me like five seconds or something. In, in a well, in Vegas this summer, maybe because uh, we were. Just, he's gonna hopefully come out for a few days and play an event or two. So yeah, maybe. Uh, definitely not racquetball. I played. I had him play racquetball with uh, Phil Locke, and I think Phil beat him pretty handily. And I know you beat me with that not being a point. I beat Phil. So I don't, I don't think anyone's going to play you in racquetball that I know. I, I got to pull up your action. Are you still, are you, when's the last time you played racquetball? Probably three or four years. Um, as I've gotten older, it's, it's tough on the joints like knees and um, it's the same kind of thing though, where I, I want to play all the time and play every day and going one, once a month is kind of tilting to me. What about paddle tennis? Have you played that at all or pickleball? I've played it a little bit. That may be that may be the path I'm headed down as an old dad. I may just I might just be playing pickleball with the old heads. The paddle paddle tennis is a lot of fun, actually. That's a that's a great game, and, and pickleball as well. It is it's uh, it's fun. So I maybe we'll play on that. I'm no gambling, but we can we can hit some sure. balls around. Um, all right, let's uh, let's dive in here. So, uh, well, here's a question right off the, the top one, which I know we covered last time. Have you beefed up security or done anything differently since that last incident? And that was a for those that don't know, you had a very crazy incident, um, which is, I mean, it's horrifying. Uh, honestly, what happened? It's got a, it's very traumatic. Like, have, tell me about that. Is there any was there closure on that? Did that person who came into the house they got arrested or what? What happened with that? Yeah, so, we got closure. He he confessed and. Um, plea deal but still got 13 years in prison so there was some closure where we were going to court and uh it was pretty heavy emotional stuff but uh has been closed for like a year maybe maybe two years at this point 13 years in prison holy shit yeah yeah just because of how it happened and it wasn't just a robbery and um I mean, I, listen honestly I think those type of things should be like 13 when I say a lot 13 I guess it's just such a crazy situation, right? Yeah, it's like people. You, you, I mean, I don't know how you how you weigh life thirteen, one year, ten years, but like it's heavy stuff, man. You can't you can't go robbing people, breaking in, risking kids' lives, guns and stuff, right? I mean, it's just as, exactly. as bad as it gets. So, um, yeah. but has that changed your? I mean, have you? I guess it's one of those things like you don't really think about on a daily basis, right? Just like and mm-hmm. like that's a, without it happening. Now that it happened, you know, you know that like. How does that? How do you sort of uh, approach that? Like, are you more conscious of stuff? Are you more skeptical? Like, w- what type of things has changed mentally for you in that sense? Yeah, it, it's it's scary. And um, I mean, the first thing I did was kind of just I, I used to like I have I'm not um, delusional. And I don't think I'm like a superstar or anything, but I, I would like to update fans on like I'm going to play an event somewhere. That, that was the first thing where like, I don't want to put on the internet that I'm not going to be home for these dates. So th- that kind of was something right away. I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't be doing that if people are going to come try to rob me. And uh, obviously security now, now we have 
alarms, uh, cameras, guns. It's like Fort Knox now, but um, something that you kind of don't think about until it happens and uh, just being, being more careful about stuff. Um, also like, I don't know if you ever Googled yourself and, and tried to get your address or something. It, it's amazing how much information is out there just on the internet where when this guy confessed that he said he just Googled my address and then drove to my house. And, and I don't want to dwell on this and I know it's a, not a, a fun topic, uh, but like, was that, so did, did you know the person or they knew you or I forget, was there any relation at all or did they just, I didn't know him at all. He, he was like a, a one, two low limit regular in Atlantic city and kind of knew who I was and knew I had success and uh, lived in Philly and had me targeted for some reason. Wow. Yeah. I, I personally, I mean, that's, well, it's good. It sounds like you got everything. Yeah. Fort Knox is a nice, nice ring to it. That's good. But that's all I've always kind of just in general with, I think with gambling and playing, like having, I think living in a house too, it's, it does open up. Like you just got to be extra careful, right? Cause it's like, if you're in a building, a complex security, it's like kind of helps a lot, but um, yeah, man, just, yeah, everyone be careful out there and realize, I think that's like one of the things I actually, um, you know, whether it's uh, identity theft, VPNs and stuff, I, I just, I really recommend security in general, like uh, whether it's your personal or, or self-security or your computer, your, your private information, because it's, it's getting weird, right? Like, it's just yeah. like nowadays, like with crypto in particular, there's, I've heard so many horror stories of people getting their crypto stolen, just even like a simple fake telegram message like someone sent and then they send to people or you know i get i must if i log on skype which i rarely use i'll have like four imposters like someone's <laughs> imposter and alex fox in and they like people are messaging me like oh like this and they have all these scams and all this shit mm -hmm. so just you know be careful out there there's a lot of a lot yeah. of like low level crime and people doing unethical stuff so yeah um, poker players are definitely uh we're pretty privy to scams these days where like you, re you really got to be slick to pull one over on a poker player just because we're so used to dealing with people scamming online and technology and um guy coming to your house with a gun's a whole different story but uh still yeah. just be careful out there there's a lot of crazy people that want to do you harm anytime um you have something and they don't they'll come and try to take it for sure all right well that was uh, I, I actually i i know we covered this last time i know there's a first question here and people do i think remember and, and know and, and glad to hear that that everything worked out and and uh it's it's moving forward but definitely crazy stuff um favorite hand to play also a hand that you hate but always end up playing it so i mean i then I actually like this has been like a, an evolved version of your everyone's like obviously aces and kings or there's a fun hand but what's a what's a hand you get at, in a tournament and you're just like you know what like shit I gotta open it is it sevens ace jack like where is it where you're just like you know it's gonna be a tricky board tricky situation what are some of the the more difficult hands that you that you uh, that you just think are harder to play or and that you just or you just always play probably like ace ten off maybe something like that ace ten off ace jack off those hands that uh are in the kind of bottom of your three bet calling range, you're mixing, you're, you're not hitting a lot of boards. Um, ones like that are, are probably least favorite to play. Um, most fun to play, probably like suited connectors from the big blind, like low, like three, four suited or something. Uh, I enjoy those spots. Nice. Um, harder to win online or live? Online, online for sure these days, uh, especially if you're playing higher stakes, you need to be a lot better to win online than live. What, what's it like to be a party poker sponsored pro? Give me a little bit of a feeling like versus you signing that deal, being an ambassador versus winning, let's say, uh, you know, uh, not a WPT, but like a, uh, a side event. Like what, what, where's the feelings for being a, an ambassador? How, how does that stack up in your career? 
it's cool. I mean, it's only been a day, but uh, it was definitely interesting at P- Poker Masters yesterday. People were saying congrats. I'm like, oh, like for the deal. And that's an interesting feeling and in that you're a representative of a company and building the brand, uh, promoting events. People ask me about events. It's definitely a different feeling, and uh, I think it's cool. Very cool. Um, what about buying – here's a question about – for yourself or substantial winnings when you hit that first major, like the, is, is the life changing one, I guess, or, or the one that really stood out was at that first WPT for, for was it 800 K or something or, or no, was the first one. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a, was that your like big kind of breakthrough score? That's a tricky question. Cause like, obviously from a money perspective, that's, that's a huge score. Um, like I was doing well already at that point. So I don't know if that changes my life. Like I, I would think back more to like, when I had $500 to my name in college and I won 10,000 or something like that, that was more like, wow, I got, I got money in my bank account. Like buy the whole dorm tacos. Like we're going shopping. Like that, those were kind of the scores that were more like exciting. And I would like go out and spend the money. Yeah. I I think I remember winning like four or five grand and and buying two plasma TVs. It was back (laughs) in the day at college. And I, you know, it was, it was exactly like that was the, those are the ones that really like you, you felt like you were doing it. And it's funny that too now, because like if you hit a score, do something, maybe you don't even buy anything. Yeah, or, it's so boring now. You like invest yeah. in or buy crypto. Yeah, yeah, but back then, like it was this total negligence on bankroll management too, just like spending and, and going out and, and enjoying. But yeah, those are some of the most fun times. Um, how, yeah, how, tell us, remind us again what got you into poker for the first time. I used to I used to play cards with my grandmother. Um, not not so much hold'em or poker, but more like bridge, uh, spades, like showdown. We we played silly games when I was really young, and uh, that kind of evolved into poker when MoneyMaker won, and I was like sixteen, seventeen years old. I started playing a little bit online, and then we play we play high school in a mix. I guess we would play like guts and AC Ducey and uh, some some hold'em, and sometimes we'd have tournaments. And uh, that kind of snowballed where I was playing college, playing more online, and uh, started to get serious when I was winning good money online in college. Very nice. Uh, we got a question about bubble situation. So let's, let's just let's just tweak this a bit. But 25K tournament, let's take the one you just chopped up for five 550. So you're in a 25K. It's the bubble. Uh, the question is, would you shove kings in response to a raise from early position? One person left before the prize play. So this is obviously this question is uh, – Depends a lot. Are you covering them? Are they covering you? you know, mm-hmm. Do you have 10 blinds? Do you have 100 blinds? So, but give me sort of a, a way to approach like on this. And, and do you do you approach a 25K money bubble the same as a 3,500? Or like main, is it, is it the exact same to you? Or do you still like say, all right, you know what? Like maybe I'll be a little tighter or a little less less uh, risky or, or, or deviate a little more based on the fact that it's maybe a 50 or 60 K min cash versus like a six, or is it just like, no, this is what I do with this spot, this hand. Uh, if you just replicate two scenarios or you use it the same, or do you do have taken into consideration the, the amount of money a bit and adjust? I definitely don't think about the money difference, but I, I will take an effect. Who is the player the raise is coming from? And, Generally, in the bigger events, the 25,000s, these players are much better at abusing the bubble. So, like, a chip leader in a 25K might be opening any two cards or shoving in a situation where in a 3,500, a chip leader at the table might not be aware and might be playing more normally. So you do have to adjust your range to uh, what your opponents are doing. And I would say that would be the difference between 25K, 3,500. Definitely still shoving kings on the bubble. In general, you, you can... You can get away with reshoving as long as you're 
you're all in and you have some fold equity, um, shoving these types of hands in the bubble is, is still okay. Where, where you need to be careful is when you're someone's putting you all in and you're calling off. Th- those are the spots where you want to be tighter. Or uh, or if Jeff grows four bets in a 25K, then I'd fold. I did have ace-king that hand. Got me, man. I did. Well, I guess. I, I mean, probably would have hit the ace. I, I think we both cashed or I don't remember anyway. That was, that was a long time ago. Um, favorite poker hand. What's your favorite suited? What's the one you just see and you're like, I'm playing. I don't, I don't care. I just, this is a, this is an open for me. I love it. Black Kings. Black Kings. No, but like, that's what I'm saying. One with a fun hand, not, not a, not a bladed hand, not tier one. Like, give me like suited, suited connector, like six, seven suited, Jack nine suited three, four. What's what's your one? You just, you just like to play. I guess I like 10, eight. If I had to pick one, 10, eight suited, give me, give me 10, eight of spades or something. And okay. Then, that yeah, that's a good hand. Have you visited Brazil? I think we know the answer. We you've done that. You you're, you actually were on the 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 team, the the GPL, uh, the mm-hmm. Brazilian team, and I don't remember if that was a reason or if you had some friends in Brazil and you decided you wanted to learn Portuguese, right? Yeah, actually, way back in the day in college, I won a, a satellite to go play an event in Rio. Um, I was 19 or something. I was really young. Uh, I think they only ran it once. It was a poker stars thing. Went down there, played the event, um, met a girl. Ended up dating her and going back. Learned a little Portuguese then, and uh, went back to play a Brazilian poker event. And uh, I've been back. I think I've, I think I've been three times now. But uh, love Brazil. I love the people. Love the energy down there. Um, so I'm a big fan of Brazil. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great country for sure. Um, do you do sports? And remind us, other than racquetball, what's your sort of uh, sporting background? I did swimming and water polo in high school and uh, in college. Put, played uh, two years, two years of each in college. I think w- when I got really into poker, um, things were kind of were butting heads. Like I was traveling to play tournaments. I was in Vegas missing practice. Um, would say I, I was I was a strong player in in high school, all American, all state. Um, not not good enough to compete um, like D one college level in uh, swimming and water polo. Nice um, hardest victory and why? Which is which tournament major one that you've won? Uh, it could be WPTs or others. What was the most like grueling, difficult, maybe a big comeback or just a super tough opponent in a game or long? You know, how long were those run through those four wins for me? How how long did those those take? Thirty minutes, two hours, ten hours? What was uh, what was the toughest, and how long were those WPT wins? Heads up. The uh, I think just like psychologically, the first one was the toughest to win. Um, I mean, I also was playing Kane Callis. Heads up, who's who's a strong player has played high stakes. At the time, um, pretty top-heavy payouts. We're, we're no deal. We're playing first is eight fifty, second was five hundred. So we're playing a heads-up match for three fifty against a good player. Uh, that that was tough. The actual match itself, I don't think, was super long. Maybe 30, 40 hands. But uh, psychologically, that was tough. And then probably if we're talking long matches, grueling heads-up match was this, the back-to-back. The second one, I, I got kind of a wild recreational player heads-up who had a huge chip lead and. Uh, had to play like a crazy four hour heads up match where he was playing bananas and uh, was able to kind of grind him out and, and win that. Was he tilted or when he lost or was he kind of like just so happy he got second or was he like, since he was, he was had a lead and he could taste the title. Like what was the vibe when you were, when it was over? He, he was a very emotional player and he actually, he screwed himself. He did a little premature celebration when he got all in. I think he flopped two pair. He did stood up and fist pumped and uh, he got counterfeited on the river. So sometimes you got to live and learn. Wow. That's, that's tough. To, yeah. That's a tough way to go. Um, 
Can you draw a constant from your WPT wins? Chris Robinson asked, is there anything that sort of stands out? Was it uh, when you look back at those wins, was anything different than the others? Maybe you were there from the very first hand. Was your focus better than others? Uh, well, any, anything that you kind of see resembling or deep runs? You have 13 final tables for those that mm-hmm. don't know the record as well. What, what kind of when those when you get there and it goes well, what's sort of like consistently something that you're doing or that you notice? I think like being patient in those types of fields and especially deep when there's like four or five tables left, like assessing it from like a macro perspective, like who's left in the tournament, how deep are we, what do I need to be doing? And oftentimes in these tournaments, there are players that if you can get to their table and they have chips, you're, you're going to double up if you're, if you're there long enough, or you're going to get it in very good at least. So kind of like looking for those spots, how many of those are around? Am I in one of those spots now? Do I have a tough table now, but the other table is really soft? Do I wait for it to break? Kind of like assessing um, assessing the general situation of the tournament in addition to, like, the, the micro stuff. I have this hand in this spot, and this is what I do, you know? For sure. And I got to ask you about um, a couple guys that, you know, again, take your time. Don't say it. I don't want to – I just think I'll think before you speak. But, you know, the, the other players that have three – three titles so like i had eric afriat on he's won i believe three now is that right or two or three or maybe two and he's got a second or something like he's a guy that he's he it's just kind of crazy because he's not from like the young generation yeah I, I wouldn't put him in like the po solver type player um and there's also i think uh, what anthony has won three is that mm-hmm. right uh how many guys won three chino Reen maybe who's uh, is there like three or four guys that have won three I think Gus maybe has won three. I, I don't think he plays many anymore. And uh, Brian Altman recently won his third. Oh, really? He did. Well, yeah, he's been pretty tough. And it seems like he's just kind of deep and, and always in the mix on those. So give me a little bit of uh, thoughts on those. Like what? I mean, it's impressive to have these type of these wins and, and these these players also getting multiple ones and always seem to have chips in these events. What's your what's your thoughts on some of their games? And and and, and do you do you do you know that do you play? I'm sure you play with them a lot, right? You probably yeah. utilize guys. I think most of those guys play um, definitely not a solver game, a game that is not fundamentally correct, but they are doing things well that work in those events. And that's kind of the the key to success where they may not even know it, but they're exploitively adjusting um, and it's, and it's working. So I I think uh, all those guys, I, I, I would say Brian, Brian is a, is a more fundamentally solid, better player than, than, than some of those other guys. But um, that, I would say it's a lot of kind of exploitative non-solver play. And and if you were giving advice to someone who's going to wants to go play a WPT coming up, what would be your advice for them? You know, to maybe they're a little nervous, maybe they satellite it in, maybe they never played live. Like how would you, you know, WP, WSOP is different, a little bit the structures, the chips and all that. So you get in the format of the World Poker Tour, what would be your advice to someone hopping in and, and, and giving it a go to, to just have a good time and, and how to, how to, you know, to, to survive a bit? Well, what's like a tip you could give them? I mean, I, I'd have to take one. I'd give them the Amir, Amir Vahidi. You got to be willing to die. Like a lot of these guys that don't play many or they get in on a satellite when it gets deep and they're in day three, day four, they really don't want to bust. And uh, that's detrimental to their play. And it, when you play like that deep in a tournament, you're going to get 12th a lot. You're going to get 15th. You're going to, you're going to get eighth where you're, you're not going to be in a good spot to win the tournament. So at least give yourself a chance. And even though you're deep in the tournament, the money's getting big, you still can't be afraid and you got, you got to take your spots. 
Yeah, that's what I saw. So Adrian Mateos was on yesterday, and this is one of the things he was saying as well that, like, you know, deep, it's it's like you got to be willing to open three back gopher stuff. You can't just, you know, it's like surviving is is fine, but it's like that's not how you win tournaments. It's yeah. just like you, know, you don't open the queen nine suited, you don't open the, the pocket sixes or fives in a spot, or you know, you got to be willing to go for it. That's you just don't, yeah, that stuff adds up all those little tight mistakes, and then you're not going to get premium hands as much as you think you are. Like, oh, I'll wait for a better spot. I'll wait for a better spot. You're not going to get Jackson, Ace, King that many times in 30, 40 hands. You know, it's it's tough. Right. Or you do, and then you do get in a flip, and the fact that you haven't been able to accumulate chips, now you lose the flip or, you know, or you double you double to 16 blinds and you're still short. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's like that's, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's a huge part of tournament poker, which is, not necessarily easily concept to grasp about that, that you want to go for those top threes. And, and the way to do that is, is by being a bit aggressive. And, and I think a lot of times too, people see plays are like, wow, that was spewy or man, I can't believe that guy went out. But then it's like, you look at his head and mob, you realize that, well, you know, they're, they're, they're just winning a lot and they're just going to yeah. go out like in, in certain spots. So, um, Fair there enough. is some kind of like a, I don't know what it would be called confirmation bias or something where like you see the loose, loose spewy plays, but you don't see the, you don't see the tight folds, like you, which are also bad. Um, you, you don't see the hands that go into the muck, so you're not able to – it's not in your face, like, oh, look at that mistake, like uh, like a tight fold would be. Right, exactly. Uh, Sarah asked, during the early 2010s, there was a group of poker players who quickly jumped forward in strategy. They had access to computer-driven solvers. Was PO first available to a secret set of players? Do you Are you aware of any of this? Do you know of, like, early on, like, do you think there was – a group of people that sort of had access or were the first comers in, in sort of this type of software and analysis uh, had others. Are you aware of anything like this? I wouldn't call it secret. I, I would say there are players just who were more in touch with the technology and like in that space where they were good with computers. Cause there's definitely like a learning curve to working with PO solver and you have to know the right inputs. And back then there were definitely less people that knew it and knew how to work it. So I would say not secret, but just uh, a smaller group of players than there is now. For sure. And now, I mean, it's becoming a lot more available where there's people that can analyze or do the work. You get the answers and solutions because the actual act of in- inputting PO solver hands and doing, you have to have the right computers and saw, and it could take a long Servers time. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's getting, it's moving along. Who's harder, who's harder reading tells on women than on men and who do you refer to play against? I mean, it's such a lopsided women and men in poker anyway, but um, yeah. is there anything on this you could say? Um, I, I don't think I would say anything on that, but uh, I would just, I would just say usually better players, professionals, men or women are, are tougher to read than amateur players. And uh, generally, the less someone plays, the more physical tells they're going to give off. For sure. Um, question about, do you believe you can obtain another WPT title? I think that's a rhetorical question, but you uh, are you uh, how's your belief system and your WPT abilities for titles? I do believe I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to keep competing. And uh, hopefully hopefully some of these live events come back and uh, get to play Five Diamond in December. Um, I don't know if you saw recently Maryland's canceled. Jacksonville's canceled. I was going to play those. But um, it's it's something that I, I play all these events every year. And if I get one or two good opportunities where I'm at the final table, final final couple, two tables, that's I'll, I'm happy with that. And then um, over time, I'll convert some of those into wins. And what you said, New Orleans, or what was the one canceled? There was a uh, Jacksonville, and then they had one in Maryland that oh, I think Maryland. they're both postponed. But um, yeah, yeah they're, sure. they're supposed to be this month for sure. Uh, so let's see. We'll do a couple more and some 
Portuguese there. Is that Portuguese? Let's see. Qual jogo você mais gosta de jogar? What's saying about? Who do you like to play with the most? Or what yeah. game? What game do you like to play the most? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite game, basically? Is it? Um, I would say No Limit Juice to Seven is the, is the one I enjoy the most. Uh, how many hours do you spend studying poker a week? Do you, do you set actually? Do you block off like even here when you're going to play like this week when you play the Masters? It's pretty intensive, right? You basically go play. You got home two or three a.m. Sleep, wake up, come do a little pot, and then you you go. I mean, are you actually like plugging? Do you like review stuff? Do you look at opening ranges and calling stuff, or are you when you're here you're just in game mode playing, no studying? Mostly game mode. I'll, if I have some hands that I'm not sure about during the day, I'll I'll check them. Like I'll I'll either ask somebody to run it or uh, look for myself to see what a computer would do in the situation. But uh, definitely don't have like set study hours or or anything like that, and um, not not double digit hours a week where I'm studying. De definitely less less than ten, I'd say. And what about for for uh, cash games now? I think I saw you were playing one and. In Houston, or you did a special thing? Do you play some cash games still? Do you like that? Or do you yeah, I mean, growing up, I played a ton, um, like ten, twenty-five, twenty-five, fifty, um, probably the last ten years. And then it's honestly gotten pretty tough for me to get into games unless it's like a special TV game or something where um, I'm not invited to a lot of games, and and there's not many public games in casinos bigger than big enough that I would want to play, like bigger than ten, twenty, or twenty-five, fifty. Mm -hmm. so, uh, what about your biggest winning winning and losing session? What's uh, buy-ins wise or, or money, whatever, and, and cash? What's like one of your bigger winning and losing sessions? Um, I would guess around between a hundred and two hundred thousand, probably um, both win and loss. I got that that WPT game. I lost a four hundred something K pot to Bill Perkins, and uh, that was the, that was the biggest pot I'd ever lost. Uh, I remember that. I didn't see that hand. Well, I've actually, that's funny. My biggest pot I've ever won and lost is against Bill. So um, he, <laughs> he, he, uh, he knows how to, he can, he, he makes them big. What was it? Did he get you or did you get there? What was the hand? I mean, he was, he was being Bill and he was giving action and the game was, the game was big. I think we were playing two, four, eight or something. And um, I three bet somebody, he cold called the other guy called. I think there's 20 K in the middle. I had Queens. It was like 10, seven, three with a flush draw. I had uh Queens, no flush blocker. I bet maybe 12K and he made it 40. I called. Um, turn was like a low offsuit card and he bet like 140 or he, he bet something huge. And uh, I kind of had to make a decision on the turn. Do I put in the rest or do I fold? Did not fold. And uh, he had a set of sevens. So I was, I was pretty much dead. Damn. All right. Yeah. yeah I've, uh, yeah. Wow. Bill, he, he plays big pots. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's not a bad guy to lose to. He'll, he yeah. still calls me a nit, but, uh, I did. Uh, I did get it in with two outs against him. All right. Oh, there you go. That's all right. It's uh, an old deal. It'll be more opportunities. What is? Uh, what's your favorite live event and your favorite online event? Hmm. I really enjoy Five Diamond Bellagio. I don't know if it's because it's coming up, but uh, I like playing the good structure, 10K, a lot of runners. Um, Bellagio is pretty good to play at. Um, I've, I've always liked that event. Also, the TOC. I would say the Tournament of Champions, the World Poker Tour one. That, that's a, that's a fun event. Uh, I hope they bring that back when uh, the live events come back. For sure. Um, let's see. Any Brazilians? There's a question specifically about Brazilians, but do you know, are there any, any Brazilians out there that you know or you battle with a lot that you think are pretty tough, like that you've played with in the last year or so? Yeah, I've played with some on GG that I think are uh, are pretty good. And one of the – man, it's tough with the names. 
Pablo's Pablo something that is pretty good, and there's uh, Bruno Volk, Volkman or something. I think those guys those guys play pretty well um, just from playing on GG and in, in the high roller stuff with them. There's a question here with uh, you got you can have dinner with Doug Polk or breakfast with Cindy Crawford. Who's your what's your what's your what are you going out there? Those are two big names. Current Cindy Crawford or like peak Cindy Crawford? Mm. I, I I didn't get the I just that's all I can give you is that question. You gotta just uh, maybe take it with She's probably like sixty or seventy now, right? I, I think I her daughter, her daughter. I that believe her name's Kaya. I've seen her a few times in Cabo when uh, at this place where we stay at. Like she's identical. Like literally, she looks like Cindy Crawford. Like she's like a mini version of Cindy Crawford. She's probably like twenty one now. I think she was like sixteen, seventeen last time I saw her. But let's take Cindy in her prime. Yeah, or Doug in his prime. Doug's not really semi retired, you know. Yeah, I mean, I like Doug, but I think I'd have a uh, breakfast with peak peak Cindy Crawford. Okay, that's uh, that's fair. All right, well, we are gonna we are gonna. I'm gonna take. Let me load this up. We're gonna do this the right way. We're gonna give away a 109 ticket. I'm gonna let you tell me when, but I'm gonna take a couple more questions while I load this up. And also, you guys, this is still uh, available as well. The week is still going, and if you want to win, you're still eligible for that. So that's a 109 ticket on the pin. We're gonna copy this. A nice little retweet giveaway link, uh, tool here. So it screens bots. Put it in. Go like that, and actually, let me ask you um, one more thing. My dad had a couple questions, so I do like to get my dad's questions. Oh, your dad's out. in there, okay? Yeah, he's got. He sent me an email with, with a few. Um, okay, like what what positive things, if any, have come out of the pandemic and lockdown for you in your personal life and poker game in the last? I guess so. We kind of talked about this, but a little different. Like, yeah. what, what, what would you say has sort of been a very positive of this 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 uh, unfortunate sort of situation? Poker wise, I, I was definitely forced to work harder and, and study and, and work on my game to compete in the high stakes online world where maybe I had gotten a little complacent just playing live where you, you kind of, especially in mid stakes, I, I say mid stakes, like the WPTs, 3Ks, 5Ks, whatever, you can get away with not being as polished or sound. But when you're playing um, the best players in the world online, you, you can't really get away with that. So um, that that was a big, big thing, like being able to, to work on my game and get better. And then personally, like I said, being home nine months with my three or four year old daughter was, uh, was amazing. Very cool. Uh, let's see one more and then we're going to roll it. He also, uh, he wants to know about shows on Netflix and prime. What are some of the good movies you've discovered the last year? Have you watched more series? I guess Queens Gambit came through. Is there any stuff you've, you've kind of picked up anything out there that, that you like? Man, I'm, I struggle getting into new shows. I don't know if I have a thing, but sometimes I just get stuck on the menu or I'll start a show and I'll turn it off in like two minutes. But uh, one show I would recommend, The Expanse. I love sci-fi, um, fantasy kind of stuff. So that's a kind of like a space opera. Um, the Expanse on uh, Prime would be my one uh, show I'm really into. Expanse. I've not heard of that. Sci-fi? Yeah, kind of below, uh, below a lot of people's radars, but uh, one of the best shows on TV, I'd say. Interesting. All right. I'm going to have to check that out. All right. I'm going to download this. I'm going to let you uh, tell me when to draw here in a second. And what is the, uh, what's the structure on that 3,500, the Jersey one? It's a three day event or it's a, it's like a full structure. Like yeah, three, right? day, three day, uh, gr- great event. Um, starting Sunday, September 19th, 5 PM. Um, you can, re- you can actually register and deposit from anywhere in the U S via PayPal or uh, pay with my bank. They, they have this other thing and uh, you can get in players can win their way into the event for five bucks. So you, you can qualify uh, kind of like these, these seats are given away where you guys can get in for cheap and you get a shot to be a WPT champion. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I did. I did take the this 109 phase two, the 530 to the 5K now day two on Sunday. As you, or I'm sorry, as Monday, there's still day one C left for the the worldwide one. It's a tough field though, man. Like you said, if you can win one of these online, like it's just. I was looking who's in so far, and I'm like, man, I don't know. This this one's not. This one doesn't look like a clear path for sure. Yeah. This isn't Choctaw. No. That's for sure on online. That's that's not not the case. But um, all right, why don't uh, give me give me a give me a thing here? You tell me when, and I'm going to choose it. And this is a 109 phase going to be coming to somebody on party. All right, now now there we go. Right there, we're going to have one winner. 109 ticket coming through. It is. Oh, I think it was one of the first ones. This this guy I recognize. He might even have won one. Some people win multiple, which is like it's hard, right? But hey, you won multiple WPTs, you can win multiple yeah. tickets. So this guy, he's eligible. He does it. We're going to – Alexei Sviridov is going to win another ticket. I am going to uh, take a little break. I'm going to come back for a stream. I'm going to be playing online later. And then also I have a podcast tomorrow. Do you know Charles Hook? You know Hook? At oh, all? yeah. I know, I know Charles. Yeah. So he's on um, – he is on my – podcast i've known him forever and, and got him kind of actually knows he's played a bunch with bill we've got him in the houston game and he's been he actually moved from jersey to houston and plays so yeah. just did a 14 day fast where he he had a bet where he couldn't eat for 14 days and did yeah. that so pretty crazy tony tony g had done one and then i did another one but yeah i don't know i, I i've heard three to five days are a lot of benefit on cancer and and like good for you but at 14 sounds just like i, I don't know I'm i can't make sure. it i can't make it 14 hours that stuff's not for me man i, I don't think i have enough yeah i don't think i have enough uh meat on me to like to go for that like i think if you're heavy it's one thing but if you're sort of like skinny-ish or not like super it's just i don't know if it's actually sustainable to uh to do that but we'll, we'll be talking about that um Cool. So, Darren, I appreciate it. Good luck in the uh, in the Poker Masters. Good luck at the WSOP. Let's play a little paddle in the summer and and hopefully uh, link up. But yeah, this was a treat. Congrats on your your sponsorship and as well, guys. If you want to book him or check it out, you can see above uh, Felt, which is a I guess Tom Wheaton with Faded Spade. He has created this. It's sort of an agency. And, and mm-hmm. uh, if you're interested in booking Darren or learning more, you can go there and. Uh, it's a nice website, so it looks cool. And uh, yeah, man, congrats on on the uh, the sponsorship. Sounds good, Jeff. Uh, good luck in your uh, WPT today, and uh, see you out in Vegas. Thanks, man. Appreciate right. it. Take care. All right, guys. That was Darren Elias, number one forty six. We got one forty seven. Charles Hook tomorrow again. High stakes cash players plays some of the biggest stakes in the world. One of my very close friends for over a decade, and yeah, we're gonna have a good time talking. Just completed a wager. Two weeks, no food. Pretty crazy as well. We'll cover that as well as some other interesting topics. And I appreciate you guys. I am going to be back on in a bit. I don't know. I'm take a little break, eat a little food, go play live, and then fire some high stakes. So thank you. Cheers. Thanks for watching. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens, owner and chief executive officer of Circus Sports, home of the world's largest sports book, and now the largest football contest guarantee in history. We've got $10 million on the line between our two contests. Circa Millions has $4 million in guarantees, including a million in quarterly payouts. The Circus Survivor has a $6 million guarantee. The one thing at Circus Sports, 100% payback, no rake. You enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more info. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circus Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.